0: What's good? Internet, Josh Nars here with the Road Road Football Podcast. Week 16 edition, championship edition. Um, as always, the best way you can help us out is rating, reviewing, and subscribing. Thank you for all that have done that. I really, really do appreciate it, and thank you for listening throughout the entire season. Obviously, we will have three podcasts this week for the most important week of fantasy football for many of you. Um, and then we'll move forward and we'll let you know what we're doing. Obviously we're going to keep it up during the off season. Uh, but I doubt it'd be three, but maybe it's two and at least one a week, obviously. But I need to say that the other person on this line. Raymond Summerlin is still writing the waiver wired column for this final week of fantasy football. Um, Ray, first, I want to ask you the most, most important question of this season. um, is pumpkin pie cake a thing also during Christmas?
2: Uh, absolutely. It's a thing during – pumpkin pie cake is a thing all year round it's, in my house. But it should be a thing. It is definitely a thing for Christmas as
0: well. Yes. Where, where do you purchase these pumpkin pie cakes? Purchase them? I you, make you them. You make them. Oh, that's why they can be year-round. What, what are you talking about? Purchase. Uh, I mean, I, that's what people do. I just think a, I just buy think things. An oven. Okay,
2: and I put the ingredients together, and I place it inside said oven, and I uh, okay. wait for the deliciousness to come out.
0: Got it. Um, so you bring them for Thanksgiving, and whatever you celebrate during this time of year, and maybe sometime during the summer as well. Like, does it taste different throughout the year?
2: No, I mean, I that's the beauty of that's the beauty of our <laughs> new world is that you can get fake pumpkin all year round, right?
0: Yeah. Um, and and not to go too deep into this, but have you ever had pumpkin pie cake for breakfast? Have I ever had pumpkin pie? Because <laughs> I've had pumpkin what, pie for breakfast plenty of times.
2: What, what a ridiculous question that is! I am from the South. I have had yeah. many types of pie right. for breakfast. Sweet potato pie used to be a staple of yeah. my breakfast routine. What are you talking about?
0: Yeah, and and I I will be honest and say I used to drink sweet tea for breakfast as oh, well. Of course I do. Which every is Friday now when syrup, I basically
2: every fr- every Friday when I go to the diner for my Friday diner breakfast, when I watch the football. Ray. I drink sweet tea with my breakfast because I am a true Southerner.
0: Yep. Uh, Ray and I had a conversation before we hit record that I wish we had recorded, but we'll save that for another day. Um, Ray, uh, it's waiver-wired week. Well, day, I guess. And we should say that this is always recorded on a Monday before Monday Night Football, which is the thrilling matchup between the Washington Redskins and the Carolina Panthers. So if anything happens um, in that game, it'll be in your column but not on this podcast. And we should start with maybe the biggest change of Sunday, Ray. It's not my voice screwing up. It is Tom Savage as the quarterback of the Houston Texans. Um, The $72 million mistake, that I guess is $36 million guaranteed for Brock Osweiler, um, is now on the bench. And Tom Savage immediately entered and looked the part in terms of throwing down the field to DeAndre Hopkins and Will Fuller, something we haven't seen for weeks. So how does him, because obviously you're not going to use Tom Savage, but how does Tom Savage entering the lineup impact Fuller and Nuke moving forward?
2: Well, I think you hit on it. I mean, one of the things we've seen from Osweiler this year, especially in the second half of the season, is he seems uncomfortable pushing the ball into the intermediate and deep parts of the field, outside the numbers especially. Inside the numbers, he's, he's been a little bit better. And when he's played well this year, it seems like he's been able to work the middle of the field with his tight ends. And even Will Fuller and, and Hopkins to some extent um, in the middle. But he's really struggled to push it outside. And according to Pro Football Focus, Tom Savage was, was pretty good in those areas. 11 of his 36 attempts were more than 10 yards down the field and outside the numbers, just over 30%. Brock Osweiler has attempted just 85 of those passes all season, which is 18% of his total. Yeah. And it certainly seems like that's been it's been considerably less recently. He's connected on just 38% of those passes. And that part of the field is where Will Fuller, especially deep, is going to live. But that's especially where DeAndre Hopkins is going to live. 50 of his catches last year, 880 of his yards, and eight of his touchdowns came in those areas. So if Savage is actually going to attack that area of the field – and, and it seems like he's going to, and, and this offense is, is kind of set up for him to attack those places, Osweiler just couldn't do it, then that's going to be good news for Hopkins. I'm not so sure about Fuller because I'm, I'm still not sure if he's completely healthy. Mm-hmm. I think that maybe defenses have started to figure him out a little bit. But having a more aggressive quarterback is certainly a good thing for a deep ball specialist. So I, I think it's a good thing for both. I'm much more excited about Hopkins, but I do think it's a positive development for both of these guys
0: and many have had the thrilling debate of deandre hopkins versus Allen robinson for biggest bust at wide receiver this year and so maybe these last few weeks will help deandre hopkins escape that conversation and the sole trophy can go to uh alan robinson um, i'm sure
2: he'll be happy and proud of that <laughs> uh
0: let's move on to some names that you sent me as always that you do uh, prior to this podcast, um, they're going to be in your way forward column, which is on RotoWorld.com. Obviously, uh, Dion Lewis, Ray, we thought this was going to be a Garrett Blunt game uh, against the Denver Broncos. We thought the week prior against what was it? The, who they played Baltimore Ravens. Was that right? That's correct. Yeah. Um, that, that one might be a Dion Lewis game. Uh, we should have just flipped them right in, in true Patriots fashion. Um, Dion Lewis got the bulk of the work and looked awesome. Um, was so close to breaking a ton of big plays. So, one, I know Deion Lewis ha- <clears throat> hasn't touched the ball a ton this year, and he might be available in, in a number of leagues. I'm sure you have those numbers on hand. But, again, it's a three-headed backfield, so can we expect anything from Deion Lewis this week?
2: I I, I tend to say no. I mean, and like you said, we, we knew that the Patriots were going to run on the Broncos. We didn't know they were going to do it with Deion Lewis, who had n- just 19 carries in his four other games. So getting 18 carries in one game was certainly a surprise. And you asked the correct question. Is this a sign of what we're going to see moving forward or was it just game plan specific? I tend to think it was game plan specific. I tend to think that they just liked Dion Lewis and, and his specific running style is kind of more of the elusive back against this front rather than Garrett Blunt, who by the way still had 18 or excuse me, 17 carries. So it wasn't right. like he disappeared uh, the first thing is the Patriots had not shown any signs of using Lewis like this in any of the previous games. So, it suggests, again, it suggests that they just saw something in the Broncos' defense that they wanted to attack. Second, his snap percentage really didn't increase that much despite the heavy usage. He did play more snaps then white and blunt, but they were all pretty much right there in the, in the same range. So I don't think that this was a changing of the guard by, by any stretch of the imagination. I imagine that coming up this week against the jets, Lewis is going to return back to that, that 10 touch range, which is exactly the same number of touches he had last time they faced the jets. He does have the upside and maybe we hear something this week that makes him, makes him, you know, seem like he's going to get those carries again. I tend to doubt it, but still, that makes him worth a pickup in a, in a week where just really there's not much out there on the wire. So if you're going to pick someone up, then it's at least worth taking a shot on him and seeing what happens. But as it stands now, I doubt that I'm going to be that excited about starting in this week.
0: And, and the blunt conundrum was a weird one this past weekend. Like I even started searching Twitter to see if he was like screwed up in the rules or something in terms of got suspended for a series because, again, we just thought that this was going to be a ground-and-pound game against a Broncos run defense that was horrible. But no, like you said, it was a game plan oriented game, which was what we expect from the Patriots, and and Deion Lewis is the primary runner, and at least at the start of the game. Um, and again, Ray, I mean, Deion Lewis' name is, is someone we brought up a lot during the season as kind of a stash, but we're not stashing anyone anymore, right? I mean, this is the one-week thing, and so, yeah. I mean, if you have to rely on Deion Lewis in your championship, then you kind of got lucky to get there in some ways. Um, How about Dontrell Inman? I'm surprised he's available in enough leagues for him to be brought up here, right? because as of now, he's the most consistent member of this receiver core. I know it, the offense has kind of trailed off, at least just from what I'm watching, um, in the past couple of weeks, but Tyra Williams' targets have dropped uh, because of injuries. Travis Benjamin has been injured as well, and Inman is the pure slot guy and, and consistently putting up numbers recently.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think you – with 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 Williams Struggles I think you hit it on the head he has been the most consistent he has at least 43 yards and each of his last 8 games he's averaging over 7 targets there you go over that run so he has been he has been very consistent he has he didn't score a touchdown last week but he had 3 in the 3 weeks prior to that and this week he gets a great matchup against the Browns team which has only given up the 11th most points to wide receivers but that's just because teams don't throw at them i mean perhaps we'll see what happens with Melvin Gordon but Perhaps the Chargers have to throw a little bit more this week. And, and no matter what, he's going to have a solid floor. I, I guess it's just because we're at the part of the season where not everybody's as engaged. You know, teams are out of the playoffs, yeah. obviously. And so that's why we haven't seen his number rise. But he's all, he's still out there in, in right around 70% of leagues. Excuse me, 60% of leagues. And I think that's way too many. I think that he's a pretty clearly played himself into the top 40 wide receiver, top 35 wide receiver range. And, and I'm going to like him probably a little bit higher than that against the browns this week
0: now to the main event uh the guy robbie anderson ray uh robbie anderson and bryce petty have lit it up in the preseason they've been lining it up the last three weeks um robbie anderson had a great matchup on thursday night against the miami dolphins i know i actually played him in a ton of season long leagues and a lot of semifinals and i advanced because he put up like 13 to 16 points just depending on the scoring um I don't know who the matchup is this week. I didn't do my research and go ahead and look. But, I mean, if if the high percentage of targets that Robbie Anderson, if he continues to see those, one, that's enough. But, two, it's also the types of targets, is it not? Because 15-plus yards on the field, he's seeing a ton of those as well. And he's bringing. He might not bring them all down, obviously, or half of them down, but he's bringing enough down to be absolutely fantasy relevant for at least long, big play touchdowns.
2: I'm going to take a bit of a contrarian approach here. They're playing Ray. the Patriots. Now here's the thing that almost everything we said about Robbie Anderson last week is still true. He led the team in receiving again, although it was, I think by two yards over Bilal Powell, and required one of those long gains that you're talking MVP about Fantasy MVP you have Yeah, fantasy MVP below Powell, where he just outran everybody. I, he obviously has a good connection with Bryce Petty who it does look like is going, it looks like he's going to play. It doesn't look like that injury and that big hit in the fourth quarter is going to knock him out. The difference between this time last week and right now, is that the target share that you talked about kind of disappeared on, on Saturday night. Okay. I mean, Brandon Marshall saw 11 targets. Three of those came from Ryan Fitzpatrick. But, I mean, that still means that that he had eight targets to five over Robbie Anderson when Petty was in the game. Quincy Asun- Anunua saw nine. Again, three of those came from from Fitzpatrick. But he had a six to five advantage over Robbie Anderson when Bryce Petty was still in the game. And so if you're looking at this situation, you're saying, all right, well, is he still going to be this target guy? I don't know if that's the case. And this Patriots defense, we saw it against Denver. I mean, Emmanuel Sanders, it killed me. It's getting better. They're doing what the Patriots do every single year. They figure it out and they get better at the end of the year. They're going to New England. I don't think this is a great situation. And I think that there's there's a good chance that if Robbie Anderson got you to the finals, he might have a bit of a bust week this week, especially considering, like you mentioned, the great thing about those deep targets is, well, he could catch a long one, but the bad thing about those deep targets is those create volatility, as we've seen with all of those wide receivers in the past. So I'm I'm a little bit out on Robbie Anderson this week. If he's out there in your leagues, especially in deeper ones, I think you need to add him, and, and he's probably still going to be inside my top 45 so, this week. Right. But I, I'm a little concerned.
0: So So, okay, let me ask you this, because... I know Roto Pat had Robbie Anderson like 10 spots over Brandon Marshall. I think he might have been in that same camp last week. Um, you're not going to do that this week?
2: I still might, but it just might be that nobody's worth having in the top 40. Right. Like it, we might just be at that point with this offense, especially going to New England, that you don't want any part of the receivers. You want Bilal Powell and and maybe Matt Forte if he's able to practice a little this week. and Bilal Powell. And that's it all well, yes, I agree, but that's but that's it. So that's kind of where I am with this. Situ- I just think that what I'm trying to say here, and I, maybe I didn't make this point as well as I could have, but I think there's reason to be concerned about a bust week for Robbie Anderson. Right, week, and that's you, really what I'm saying.
0: You you necessarily shouldn't expect 12 plus points like what we've been getting from him from recent weeks.
2: Yeah, some yeah, that's exactly right.
0: Right, um, but again, if if I'm just talking about my fancy team, like I'm playing guys like Adam Thielen or Thalen, however you want to say it. <laughs> I know. and Now, Brandon LaFell had a good game last week, numbers wise. The previous week, he didn't. But like in that area, I'm, I'm considering Robbie Anderson as well, especially with Thielen putting up a goose egg last week, right? So, three wide receiver, four wide receiver leagues. I mean, I know we're in them because they're industry leagues in, in many ways. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I understand what you're saying because it's the Patriots and it's not the Dolphins, but um, I still might take that shot, Ray. Um, but yeah, I like Robbie Anderson. It's cool that someone like. That was viewed as a cornerback by many teams. Undrefted free agent is, is relevant in Week 16 and Championship Week in, in some ways. Let's end with Derrick Fadden Ray. God, my voice is killing me. Look, we brought up Alfred Morris a couple weeks ago as someone you want to stash for Week 16, maybe even Week 17 if your playoffs went in that direction. Um, but Alfred Morris was inactive. Was it due to injury? I'm guessing. No. Nope. It wasn't.
2: Healthy scratch.
0: Was it really a healthy scratch? It was, yeah. So that means Darren McFadden is the primary backup right now to Ezekiel Elliott. And it's not like the Cowboys are going to rest their starters now because they lost the Giants a few weeks ago. But, I mean, if you need somewhat of a handcuff, I guess it's Darren McFadden, is it not?
2: I think. I mean, there's – I thought Alfred Morris was doing well as Ezekiel Elliott's backup. But he doesn't – it is important to note he offers nothing in the passing game, nothing at all. And there's a chance that the Cowboys just felt more comfortable – with someone like mcfadden who could give them something in the passing game behind elliott and that and that that's the reason why we saw this switch happen i i didn't expect it to happen i thought that morris would keep his job but that hasn't that just hasn't been the case but the question is if something were to happen to elliott this week or if you're playing week 17 and they they wrap everything up this week and they they're able to sit down elliott well who would get the carries i think that mcfadden is the better bet but I also imagine that Alfred Morris would would see carries as well if something happened. So I think what's really happened here is that Darren McFadden's come back and suddenly there there aren't any real handcuffs for mm. Alfred Morris. If I just had one roster spot and I wanted the backup to Ezekiel Elliott, I would pick Darren McFadden because well, he's the guy that was active. But I do see a scenario where both guys get carries if something were to happen to Elliot. And that's that's kind of disappointing and makes certainly a guy like Derrick Henry a higher upside handcuff to to stash on your bench. If that's what you're trying to do.
0: I cannot wait for Derek Henry to see like 20 carries in the game. Right. Can't wait. And I know you watched that game, but he looked good when he was on the field.
2: Yeah, he did. There was a, there was a play that Titans offensive line. That's where I messed up on the Titans. I I thought Conklin was a bad pick. I was completely wrong. So
0: did I. So I thought,
2: I thought the interior of that line was not very good. And it's still not Josh Klein kind of got, got beaten up by Chris Jones in that game. But they there were just some running plays where they just collapsed the entire defensive line yeah. of the Chiefs, a good defensive line, by the way, and it just alleys of alley after alley for those guys to run through, and it's just it's really a special running game, and uh, I'm in, I'm in on the Titans now. Let's Finally. let's go, baby, no, let's just, go to the playoffs.
0: <laughs> look at you, Ray. Um, do deep cuts exist for Week 16?
2: Yeah, it, <laughs> not really. No. I mean. I mean, I guess Cordero Patterson, because yeah. Adam Th- Thalen, don't call me Thielen, uh, is is you know hurt. Patterson had eight targets against the Colts. We've seen him had useful fantasy days when given a shot in the past. So so he's a guy, but that entire offense is a mess. It looks like Julio Jones is coming back, so it probably means that Aldrich Robertson's uh, day in the sun is it's just going to be that 111 yards against the 49ers. If you're into, if you want to, you know, have a handcuff. I almost did it again. If you want to have a handcuff, uh, Andre Ellington. And we know uh, Ray likes handcuff. There you go, Andre <laughs> Ellington. Yeah, you know, he kind of gets lost in the discussion, but that workload for David Johnson is a concern. So I, if right. you, if you want a handcuff, I don't, I don't, I don't think that's a bad plan. But other than that, there's, there's just really not much
0: there. So no Matt Moore mention?
2: Y- you know, it's funny. This Matt Moore thing has become a has become a big joke because of you know the Roto World feed and what we do but my only point about Matt Moore has always been that he's better than five to 10 of the starting quarterbacks in the league. And I was always confused why he was a backup. I didn't think he was, I mean, he's not an elite player. He's not a super bowl winning quarterback, but he's better than case Keenum. And yet people kept wanting to give uh, people, the Rams wanted to keep giving case Keenum a shot. And, and Matt Moore, who's been a free agent a couple times, just wasn't getting those calls. And it's confusing to me. Chad Henney's my next guy on that list too. Probably better than some starters. He's probably better than the starter on his team currently. And, uh,
0: yeah, you mentioned yep. free agency with Matt Moore, um, and this is a separate discussion, but like his contract, he should have gotten more money. Like Chase Daniel got far more money than Matt Moore did, which is well, I mean, odd to, a, me. to
2: Not to name out Chad Henney twice and, and two. <laughs> it's we <laughs> 16, right? In a minute, but he's uh, he's he's got a pretty good contract too, I think a little bit better than Matt Moore. Yeah, I think – I don't know. I just think Matt Moore has been wildly undervalued, and we'll see what happens. That was not – That performance wasn't you coming in and crowing about Matt Moore. He played a terrible defense and happened to have four touchdowns. Most of them he had not much to do with. But we'll see if he's able to take him to playoffs. I I think he might be able to. And I I said last week, I didn't think it was that big of a downgrade for the Dolphins.
0: Um, Ray, you and I will be on the final episode of the Roto-World Fantasy Football Kickoff presented by Kia on Thursday.
2: That's the Roto-World Fantasy Football Kickoff presented by Kia.
0: And plenty of VODs afterwards, uh, wrapping up the 2016 fantasy season. Um, like, top surprises, guys we should have traded, um, biggest misses, things like that. And Ray, I believe you and I, most likely, are facing off in the finale of the Roto-World and Friends League, are we not?
2: That It seems to be that way. I've already won my matchup. You look like you are on your way uh-huh. to winning your matchup, so... We'll see what happens. I'm getting Julio back this week, so
0: yeah.
2: I, I made a run without Julio. Now I'm getting him back. We'll uh, we'll see what it, how it goes, and and we'll probably. I imagine we might discuss that on Thursday.
0: I, I have a feeling, and uh, I might just play Robbie Anderson just to allow him to <laughs> win against you. Let's put it that way, Ray. Uh, thanks so much, buddy. And I'll talk to you later. All
2: right, talk to
0: you. Later.